as Christians, as Christians who are part of the Anglican communion, we have a very particular way in which we talk about our worship services. The word we most often use when we talk about worship is liturgy. Liturgy. There's a formal definition of liturgy. Liturgy is a form or a formulary by which the worship of God is conducted. These are the rites, the rituals, the sights, the sounds, the symbols, the pomp, and the circumstance, and the pageantry. Liturgy is the way we Christians worship God. But as with many terms and definitions, there's an informal or common understanding of the word. And so liturgy is also a word that means the work of the people. Liturgy means the work of the people. The two go hand in hand, of course. After all, it takes work to worship God. Worshiping is not something we do passively, as if we were sitting on the sidelines. No, worship is an active idea. After all, worship is a verb. Worship is simply what we do as Christians. And never is our liturgy, our work of worship, on greater display than it is here today on Palm Sunday. Think about how far we've already traveled in our worship service. Think about how far we have yet to go before we're finished with our liturgy today. From Jesus' triumphal entry on what we call Palm Sunday through the events of his trial, as we just read, all the way to his crucifixion on the cross. These events, which took place in about a week's time, in real time, are collapsed for us in the liturgy into one Sunday and collapsed in one Sunday into about one hour. If a preacher is not careful, a sermon can almost take away from the liturgy of this day because if you notice, the service is set up as if it were a play, a drama that's unfolding. We are not meant to be the audience, but we are meant to be the actors, not merely watching the events of Christ's life unfold before us, but actually entering into them, participating in them as if we ourselves had been there. Because after all, that's the whole point. We are supposed to put ourselves into the story, not merely watching Jesus make his entry into Jerusalem, but shouting for joy as if we ourselves had been there. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were all expecting Jesus to fulfill the messianic expectations of the Old Testament. Their shouts were loud. They were fulsome. They were joyful. They were triumphant in tone. But then not just observing his trial, as if we ourselves were some innocent bystander who just happened to be in Jerusalem at the time, but crying out with all the venom and the vitriol of the crowd, crucify him, crucify him, let him be killed, let him die. You see, my friends, the purpose of the scriptures is not simply to explain the contrast in a story that happened back then over there among those people. No, the purpose of the scriptures is much deeper than that. It's actually to explore the conflict in our hearts, the war that wages within our soul. And God forbid we would let anything take away from wrestling with that tension and that truth. For as the Apostle Paul informs us in Galatians chapter 5, the desires of the flesh are against the spirit 
and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. He says the two are opposed to each other. Our flesh and our spirit, they are at war with each other within us. Within us. That's what happens even within us. See, my friends, it all boils down to this. In our sinful state, in our sinful state, we simply cannot stand to be in the presence of a holy God. Think about that truth for a minute. That's what was going on in Good Friday. In our sinful state, we simply cannot stand to be in the presence of a holy God. You see, the problems of our world, they're not just out there somewhere happening to someone else. They're right here. And the point of the story is this. If we had lived back then over there and among those people, we would have done exactly what they did during those days. Crying out Hosanna as Jesus entered into Jerusalem and then calling for his crucifixion with every fiber of our flesh. And today, our liturgy, our work as human beings, is not just to watch Jesus make his way to the cross, but it is to go there with him. It is for us to walk the way of the cross ourselves. As Paul also instructs us in Galatians chapter 2, it is for us to be crucified with Christ so that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, so that the life we now live is a life by faith, faith in the Son of God who gave himself up for us. So the question is simply this. Is there something that you need to take to the cross this week? Is there some besetting sin perhaps that you've been hanging on to, that I've been hanging on to, that is keeping us from being all that Jesus designed and desires for us to be. You see, the only way for us to resolve this tension and settle this conflict is to go with Jesus to the cross and stand there and stay there as he subjects himself to the unjust judgment of humanity. And yet, standing there and staying there as he submits himself to the perfect justice of his heavenly Father. Owning the fact that in our sinful state, we did everything we could to get rid of him. While at the same time, accepting the glorious truth that in spite of what we did to him, he held on to us through it all. To love us, to forgive us, to free us from the shackles of sin and the bonds of death. And if we will do that, if we will own that, if we will embrace that, then we will see the glory of God open up before our eyes, beholding his love, his mercy, and his grace poured out for us in his own blood on the hardwood of the cross. And there receiving the redemption of our souls by the forgiveness of our sins. Yes, my friends, we have work to do. And the work that we have to do is to worship Jesus, the one true and living God who poured out his life unto death and conquering death by death that we might have abundant and eternal life in him. So I'll close this morning with the good news that we heard in the reading from Isaiah, just a little bit of it for our meditation and for our contemplation in this holy week. 
He was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief and is one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. But surely he has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. And the good news of the gospel. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. Healed. 